Shanti. And it's Antoinette. And you are listening to Around, Around the, the Way, Way Curls. We are two Philly bred best friends who strive to produce content that is authentic, unapologetic, and exalting of the magic we see in ourselves and in you. Join us as we oscillate between love and light and money and dicks because, because duality, duality is a thing. Yes, though, everybody. So we are here. Um, this is a special edition of Around the Way Curls. Given the recent circumstances with um, everything that's going on in the country with the George uh, Floyd's murder, with the protests, and with just the general climate of what America is on a daily basis, we thought that it would be um, wise to have some gentlemen on with us for a special edition and around the way curl men's round table. Shanti is here. Say hi, Shani. Hi. Um, but we are also joined by some really special guests by three super dope humans um, that we've met in various through various mediums and spaces. So first I just want them to introduce themselves, tell us who they are, and we'll start with Nas, since you've heard from Nas before. Kedu and that means, hi, how are you? Clearly, I'm Nigerian. They was joking on me earlier about where I'm from, but, you know, it was all, it was all out of love. Uh, I reside in Brooklyn. Like, my full name is Chinna Soku. Everyone calls me Nas. I'm an occupational therapist, and I'm co-founder of PVO Global, which is a lifestyle global event company that's centered around positivity. Dope, 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 dope. Um, next up, Rich, why don't you introduce yourself to the people? I wish I had like a more interesting name now. I never wished that oh, before. Man, nah, nah, nah. Uh, <laughs> but I'm Rich Stokes. Uh, I'm the host of the Conversation Pit podcast. Uh, I own a small real estate investment firm here in the city of uh, Philadelphia. Let's go. Um, I like that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm a father, uh, two young sons. Um, and yeah, just trying to trying to kind of make it through. Very dope. Very dope. Uh, and where are you from? You said Philly. Philadelphia? There you go. Yep. Um, and then uh, Salah, why don't you introduce yourself to the people, good sir? Yes, indeed. Uh, my name is Salah Muhammad. Um, I am also a father of uh, three three kids, three teenagers. Um, I'm an activist. I'm a freelance writer. Uh, I have my own podcast called Salah's Corner, where we discuss the intersections of, of politics and everyday life. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I do a lot of different things, but I, my, my main purpose is just bringing community together and uplifting people. Very dope. And we met, Salah, we were actually on your panel, right? Well, I met yes. you that way. Shanti knew you already, but I met you yeah. through... Yes, met on the uh, uh, podcast workshop panel, just encouraging other people with their platforms and, and encouraging the smaller voices in that space. Yes. Uh, Shanti, do you have anything that you want to add before we kind of jump? My name is Shanti. <laughs> I am a mother. I am the second half to Around the Way Curls and riding around and getting it for the 9-9 in the 2000s. <laughs> <laughs> Very dope. 
So I very guess, dope. <laughs> very dope. Whatever. <laughs> so I guess we should just start. Obviously, guys, this is not going to be a typical episode. We're foregoing our um, our usual, you know, format. We'll get back to pleasure activism next week. That second half of that chapter. Um, but right now, it's all politics as usual. That's the episode, and so we want to talk to these good brothers about how they're feeling. Um, how they're maintaining, how we can support them better, what they need from us, what solutions they propose. And this is going to be a conversation. We're just going to let it go where it goes. Um, so I guess my first prompt to get this going is how are you feeling? And so I'm going to ask Rich to start. Um, I think the accurate word would be heavy. Um, I'm not a person that's easily moved or um, easily impacted by a lot of things that happen around me. Uh, but I think that the last, I don't know, four or five months has just been a lot. You know, um, I, I put on Twitter the other day that like I pretty much been sad since Kobe died. And it feels like once a month there's an event that kind of brings back that same heavy feeling. Um, so recently I've been a bit more uh just quiet you know and 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 feeling a bit more heavy um for a lot of reasons um being a black man and having my own run-ins with the law over the years um it it kind of makes you feel like where's the end and it it makes you feel like what did i do you know all i did was be born and for some reason me being born was a problem for somebody else um and, you know, being a person that has some measure of success, I mean, I, I own a couple of homes and uh, a great full-time job and I'm raising a family and, and the whole nine. And for somebody to still look down on you uh, for even doing more above and beyond what they're doing, just because you're a different color than them, um, well, I think it'll always feel like a slap in the face. And uh, so for me lately, it's it's been just just a measure of heaviness that I'm not really accustomed to. Mm-hmm. Um, so just trying to sort through that, you know, and keep your head, um, my full-time job, I work for the Boeing company. Um, and as you can imagine a large company like that, there aren't too many of us in my age bracket whatsoever. Um, and constantly there are, um, Trump t-shirts and hats and, uh, things on the walls and it's cool. It doesn't bother me. Um, until last year they fired a girl for wearing a Colin Kaepernick Jersey to work. Uh, she worked wow. for Aramark and our food service and cafeteria and stuff like that. And they actually took the jersey off. She said, no. They said, okay, well, it's going to be your last day then. And they blamed it on insubordination because people were complaining. The crazy part about it is that day they asked everybody to wear jerseys of their favorite teams. Oh, my God. Wow. That, right? That's not a lawsuit, yeah. bro? Hey, listen, I don't know. And I don't really know. I didn't know her personally, you know, so I didn't I didn't really have an opportunity to reach out and ask her all the details and things like that. And and I also didn't want to go at her wrong. Oh, hey, I heard because that's going to sound like gossip. You know what I mean? For all I know, they got the girl in there. and She lost her mind and and went off cussing people out. And that's not the part that I was told. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I didn't want to reach out on, on, on things that I just heard and really not know anything that was going on. Um, but just even the fact that it was uh, suggested to me and completely believable is the problem. Right. Yeah. You know? I'm sorry. Not, yeah. I'm sorry not to cut you off, but yeah. it's funny that you bring up Cap. I'm glad you actually brought that up because mm-hmm. I've been seeing on Twitter and on Instagram a lot of older white men, especially mm-hmm. white people in general, but they're coming out with, like, full-page 
four paragraph notes apologizing to Cap. You know, yeah. saying yeah, that, yeah, they, I saw that now they understand why he did what mm -hmm. he did. Like he wasn't kneeling to disrespect the flag. He was kneeling mm -hmm. because of the injustices brought to our people, you know, uh, on the behalf of police, you know, brutality and just racism in general. So it's, it's when you brought that up, I started thinking about the person that fired that, you know, young lady. Like, mm -hmm. what is his thought process today? You know, how is he feeling right now? <laughs> you know, <Probably> feeling like <laughs> like a dickhead. I'm sorry. I don't know if I can say that. On oh, here. we say everything on around the world. I no more. <laughs> dickhead. So dealing with four people from Philly, so. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You probably want to take that back, you know? Dickhead is the best word ever. Dickhead is. <laughs> yeah, raggedy dickhead. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the crazy the crazy thing is, I think that sometimes when you have people that have something that's deep-seated and sometimes they don't even understand it, the only way to get them to see is to give them hell. Nothing, nothing changes. Uh, I had this conversation um, earlier today. Like, nothing changes until you make people see. And the only way that I think you can get people to a point where their eyes are almost held open, like you want to hold somebody's eyes open and say, listen, I know you see this, is if you really give them hell. And unfortunately, with white people, they don't pay attention to you until you make them uncomfortable. Because what do they do? They move to different neighborhoods and find ways to keep you out. You know, I remember when I was younger, my parents were trying to buy a house and they couldn't buy a house in a particular neighborhood once the people found out they were black. It's not like I'm 70 years old. You know what I'm saying? I didn't grow up in the civil rights era. We talking about the mid-90s. You know, so, so to me, it's like you, you, it's crazy, right? Like, I live in an open carry state. PA, you can carry whatever kind of weapon you want, right? And I, I, I looked at a news article and there were people on uh, some government building in Harrisburg demanding that the economy opens back up, carrying all kinds of assault rifles and shotguns, right? And it's crazy because technically, by the letter of the law, you're allowed to do that, right? And they're, they're mad because they can't go to Starbucks or wherever it is that they want to go. Can't Even go to haircut. the gym. Can't get right. However, however, can you even imagine... Can you imagine if I had a knife and a police officer pulled me over or stopped me while I was walking on the street? Baby, you, you know, can't so have a cell phone out. You can't have anything. I'll never forget, man, Christmas Day a few years back, man, they shot this dude in New York City 25 times because they asked him for ID and he reached for his wallet. Mm -hmm. You asked me for ID. What else did you want me to do? Man, I just got married a couple days before that. And, and you unload on this man for doing what he asked you, for doing what you asked him to do. You know, and I think I think just after a while, it makes it feel like, and probably part of the reason for all of this destruction is you put people in a position to act like animals because they have no other choice. That's what happens. You know what I mean? You you get people in a position where their back is against the wall and they get tired of it, and people stop caring about the decent thing to do. It's you need to see why and where I've been hurting, and until you you know elect to pay attention to it, I'm gonna keep giving you hell. You know, and I, as a business owner, I'm not for people burning down businesses that people have worked hard for. But at the same time, I can't blame you. Right. You know, so La, how are you? How are you feeling? What's going through your mind right now? In your heart? You know, it, it, you know, it's crazy. I've been, uh, you know, I've been at the, the these protests over the last few days. Um, I was out uh, Saturday. I went out Sunday. I didn't get a chance to go out today, mostly because I had some errands to run. I had to drop the wife off at grandma's and stuff like that. I had to get dinner cooked, um, you know, so I wasn't able to partake today. And I, I'm throughout the day, I've been 
wrestling with, you know, how do I, how am I feeling? Like I'm engaging with people on social media, you know, a couple of videos that I shared were trending about, you know, what was happening in the protests around Philly. Um, and, and, you know, ultimately I'm, I'm real, I'm pissed off, honestly, because there, there's a, there's a narrative that's taking shape in the city, across the city, that all we care about is destruction. Mm-hmm. And there's this, there's this conversation that's being had on social media and through news outlets that, you know, protesters are really just out there to destroy. And, you know, the only thing that you see that takes place on, on, on news, you know, local channels and national is, is they're, they're highlighting the after effects. They're highlighting the destruction. They're highlighting the business owners who got their, their business destroyed. They're highlighting, you know, uh, interviews with cops about how they feel about it. But, you know, my picture got taken in Philly Mag and it's in Philly Mag. I, Philly Mag didn't ask me how I felt about the protests, you know, there wasn't no reporter out there talking to me about how I felt about what was happening. You know, um, it's, I'm angry because the reason why we went out there and protested is, is completely lost. You know, George Floyd's murder was a a cultivating moment, but you know, there's people across city, uh, city of Philadelphia that don't got money for groceries because of COVID. There's people across the city of Philadelphia that have to weigh going to the doctor or stay home because they're scared of catching, you know, COVID-19. There's so much shit that's happening, but we we focus on, ah, well, you know, they shouldn't have been, they shouldn't have been looting. They shouldn't have been doing this. If you're out there past a 6 p.m. fucking curfew, which is crazy, but if you're out there past a 6 p.m. curfew, you know, the police have the authority to harass you, pull you over, stop you, question you. And it, like, I, I think we've, we, we, we lost focus on how much oppression we face and become accustomed to the norms of just, yes, there's a 6 p.m. curfew, got to get inside because we don't want people thinking that I'm a protester. Not questioning the idea that it's a fucking 6 p.m. curfew and that I found out 10 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no question to, to, to that. It's just 6 p.m. Per- curfew, got to get inside. You know, we're angry at the protesters for, for, for looting and, and the destruction, but at the same time, we close down their schools so they don't get the education that they need to understand the importance of, of these uh, family businesses and pharmacies and grocery stores. They don't understand the importance of voting. They don't understand the importance of collective community action. And so we get angry at them for lashing out and for thinking about themselves. But at the same time, we, we aren't giving them the resources to fend for themselves. So and No I, one's I'm, been thinking about them. No, no. We, we completely nope. cast them aside and then expect them to hold some set of values that we never taught them. And it's, it's so infuriating because we, we, everybody on this panel is very educated and we expect those who have been abandoned by our education system, who have been abandoned by our community, who have been abandoned by a family to have the same set of values as someone that has a four-year college education, that has the same uh, a set of moral principles and at the same understanding that to the, for me, I have a community and a family to go back to when I go home where these folks, the only the community that is embracing them is a, is a community that have also been cast aside. 
And so I, I'm angry because there, there's so much heat and negativity thrown at protesters. There's so much heat and negativity thrown at the people who are crying out for help. And, and instead of giving them the help, we are just, we're, we're casting them aside even more. I want to say so much. We got so much venom being thrown at protesters and so much venom being thrown at people who are acting out yet. There's none thrown at the cops for, for tear gassing people as they're sitting there on 76 with their hands up. I think on this, I want to offer you something because it's something that I read today too. And it's something that I really believe in is that media literacy is really important and language is really important. And so protesters are protesting and looters are looting. And it's very important that we establish that difference, especially on this platform, because I'm not going to buy into the narrative that protesters are looting. Protesters are protesting, right. looters are looting. Right. Some cops are policing, other, other murderers are murdering, and it's, it, they're killing, and it's a very important, distinction that we make because the the narrative is not lost on me and I, I have to say like I'm I, I don't have local news because I'm too cheap to have cable so I've been like going on like the the CNNs and the MSNBCs and even going on Fox to be like what these motherfuckers talking about you know with whatever codes I have of people's but like I'm very proud that like CNN has been very specific with that narrative and saying we want to be very clear that these protests are peaceful. We want to be very clear that it's a very select few people who are out here doing this. We want to be clear that the police attacked this group of protesters and they were the agitators. The protesters were peaceful. And I think that they're getting that this, this narrative gives white folks and gives not even just white folks, people in positions of power and escape. It's like, that's your scapegoat. Like, oh, well, they were doing this. It you know, the, the, I'm glad you mentioned that, actually, because the crazy thing that I witnessed when I was out there protesting is I, I recorded the video and shared it. Um, you know, it was it was a it was a group of white people on Saturday uh, dressing all black with shades on mm -hmm. with no identifiers on their mm -hmm. clothes. They had on black hats, black sh uh, hoodies, black jeans, black sunglasses, black masks. And they were they 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 just start breaking shit. Like we were marching, we were protesting now Ben Franklin Parkway, and they just started started smashing shit. They they started spray painting. They and like it got to a point where I, I had to take out my phone. Once I finally was able to get close to one of them and start recording them, you know, and then I put down the phone and I asked like, "Yo, what are you what are you doing?" I was like, "You out here supporting us? If we ain't doing that shit, you shouldn't be doing that." They're putting you at risk, right? That's what I doing. was like, "What you're doing is." What you're doing is is you're you're breaking shit, you're spray painting, and then you're running back into the crowd with all the black people. So that when the attacks come down, they're gonna look at me. They're gonna look at me and expecting me to be held accountable for the spray paint on the Fridays or smashing up the, the, the Bank of America. But see, I think the you good know? thing now though is that we're not catching the blame for all of that. I think the difference yeah. between between the way riots and protests and things like that happened, you know, when our parents were young, is that there was no video Thanks. to prove any different. I, just about to say I, I watched a video on CNN and they had uh, this white lady, she was calmly shopping while oh, all this looting and chaos. Did you see that? And she's and just then, putting stuff over her arm like nothing's happening. <laughs> Fox like, tried to say, we no. think she worked there and she was cleaning. Yeah, like, yeah. Nah, I said, the employee. That lady ain't cleaning. 
They, or, or the people that I saw driving brand new Mercedes right out the front of the showroom. None of them were black people. You know, so I think I think sometimes the narrative goes to to what you can't see. And and now with the video, you can see it. So it's like, hey, listen, this isn't even our fault. Um, I think that we unfortunately have a president now who is a professional at uh, derailing the narrative. The narrative, you know what I mean? He's uh, a genius. Not when it saying comes anything. Absolutely, not saying anything about hey, we need to go arrest these cops just so all of this can stop. Nah, nah, nah. I talked to the governor. I told him I'll give him the military if he asked me for it. What are you going to have to say? about the reason all of this is happening. But the reason to him doesn't matter, so he won't address it. And on, on top of that, like, he he said the, the infamous quote, once they start looting, we start shooting. But yep. dear Mr. President, by the way, it's white people that are looting. So are you going to shoot them? And then to add to a, a, another story where I saw on Instagram, it was a car full of white people just driving around, handing mm-hmm. young black people bricks, like young yep. black you know, kids bricks and a, a, a black queen approached them and really told them off and was like, yo, what are you doing? And mm-hmm. they had nothing to say and they just drove off. So yeah, there's a lot of white antagonist people out there that's not really for the movement and they have their ulterior motives and they're just out there to, to, to cause destruction and confusion and uh, really not, like I said before, they're not about the movement and that's, no. that's terrible. Ashanti, what? How are you feeling? Like feeling? Like how does your body feel? How does your heart feel? Um, I think I I go in and out um, of like seeing things and images on the internet that make me cry, and then I go back to kind of like being numb about everything it's kind of hard to ignore the helicopters and the there's mad like booms and bangs and racing um cops down the street so I think I'm just offering myself um the time to kind of process and not be called to like do or think or add anything to the conversation or to the uh, a point of action um and i think that i think that that's a lot a lot of people that i've been talking to feel the same way that it's just kind of like people are exhausted again people are still managing covid their kids and also this this um just the the reality and I also, I'm just not surprised either. I think that's another thing. Like when we talk about violence, when we talk about looting, when we talk about theft, when we talk about just straight lying, that this is just, this is our history. And it's something that we're all very familiar with. And so I don't feel, um, I, don't, I don't feel surprised about what's happening. Um, I think I'm just trying to, imagine and integrate into the possibility of what what can come of this and where where my responsibility my responsibility lies and like you know the the change that is necessary and the action that is necessary um and i'm i'm being compassionate with myself that it's not like oh i know exactly what you know we got to do that because i i don't fucking know i'm just like i'm just I'm I'm being with it. 
with all of it, the pain, the confusion, the anger. Um, yeah. Real quick, uh, for me, the way I feel, I, of course, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, uh, I'm in pain. Um, but the last thing I ever want to feel is defeated. You know what I'm saying? I don't ever want to feel that way. So thank God I haven't reached that far. But to just to stick on my, my, the pain feeling, for me, uh, generational trauma, like I feel like the second we're born as black babies, you know, that's just given upon us. Like that's the first thing that we get, unfortunately. And as like growing, just throughout my life, you know, you go through these small microaggression traumas where like for me, I'm a large black man. I live in Brooklyn, and at a time, like, I went to NYU. I was the only black person in my program, and, like, when I would go to, when I would go to school or go to, go to Manhattan, I would make sure, like, yo, let me get my glasses because, you know, like, when I wear my glasses, like, I, I come off as being less threatened or, like, let me make sure, like, I'm not just wearing a hoodie, you know, because, like, when I'm in the library late, late at night and I got to get back to Brooklyn, I just have a hoodie on and it's late, you know what I'm saying? These are all That's these things. It's very exhausting. Yeah, or, or if I'm driving, or, or if like a, a white woman is driving and I'm walking and I see them like lock their doors and then look at me like, these are all things that we have to deal with. And they're like, you know, quote unquote, you know, light things, they're microaggressions, right? And then you have um, an incident or multiple incidents like the Ahmed Arbery incident, right? That's a macroaggression. Or George Floyd, that's a macroaggression. And then the way, if I could paint the picture or compare it to something where we'll make, uh, make things, I guess, more feasible, for me, it's like an open wound, right? Like we have this open wound that we're born with. And of course, we all see it, you know? But, and, and white people see it too, but they act like they don't see it. And whenever there's a microaggression that occurs, it's like throwing salt on the wound, like, and it can never heal. Because every time something occurs, no matter how small, no matter how big, it's salt being thrown on the wound, you know? And, 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 and me and Antoinette, we was out protesting on Saturday out in Harlem, 125th Street. And, we, and I helped a, a, an elderly woman walk across the street. She had to be like, she had to be like 80 years old. So as I was walking her across the street, the first thought that came to my mind was like, yo, this woman has never experienced peace in this country. She's out here, 80 years old, still protesting, still with all the wounds that, she, that she's had to experience throughout her life. And like, like that brought tears to my eyes, you know what I'm saying? And it's just like, we still have a long way to go. And at this point, I'm like, yo, how are we gonna you know, address these wounds that we have? Like, how? I think that's my question. Cause I think it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't, it does, I don't want to say surprise me, but I ask everybody how they're feeling and the men, you answer, I'm angry, I'm this, and then you go into what's happening, but you don't stay on how you're feeling because I feel like, I've, this is just me, but I feel like you're so conditioned to have to continue to function in this chaos that I don't even think we know how to feel and really feel it deeply. And that is that wound. It's like, Salah, you're sitting here explaining to us why you couldn't protest today. It's because you had to do real life fucking shit. You had to cook dinner. Everybody should have the right to be able to cook dinner with, with in peace. 
not feeling conflicted that they have to go fight for their fucking lives. And so when I, when I think about, and it's not just men, but I think about men often because I just think like, how can you live fully and experience things fully if you're always being a soldier and being a warrior? Like, I just, I don't understand that life. And it, yeah. it, it, it hurts me deeply. I'm like, how are y'all taking care of yourselves? Like, and your to, mental health. Antoinette, it's hard. Like, when I walk past Central Park, my heartbeat starts racing faster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, n- not just because of what just happened with that Karen, you know, but Central Park 5. And just that mm-hmm. area in itself, the gentrification of that area, it's like, you know, my, the young brother over there is agreeing with me. It's like, he knows what I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you just, the same, the same type of heartbeat when a, when a, when a white police officer pulls you over. Mm-hmm. We know. And, and it's like, it, these are things that white people could never, ever understand. <laughs> and and no. I'm so glad, you know, we have social media now. We have cell phones. We have visuals. Like, you know, they can't deny it anymore. They cannot deny it. You know, they can't deny the racism. It's blatant in their face. Like in the 90s, early 2000s, 80s, going all the way back to Emmett Till. Oh, maybe the black person did this, or maybe they did that. No, you can't say that no more because we got it on camera, Karen. But the thing, the thing is, I think that, I think that uh, for a lot of white people, they get so used to using the police as their mm. personal security system, right? Anything that you're doing that I don't like, I'm going to call the police, and they're going to tell you to stop because I told them to. Yep. Even if the thing that I'm asking you to do isn't even wrong. What's wild about it is that woman felt like she could call the police on that man because he asked her to do the right thing. Thanks. You know what I mean? So I think I think that answering that to your point, like you get you 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 get conditioned to the circumstance, but you also get conditioned to the fact that like how you feel most of the time doesn't really even matter. You can feel how you feel, but for one person to say, "Yeah, I feel like the police take advantage of black people," that's great. But when you get pulled over, how you feel about that issue does not matter whatsoever. Because you have to figure out, how am I going to be able to make it home without agitating this person that I didn't even start a conflict with? You know what I mean? I didn't start nothing with you, but you pull me over and you assume that because you pull me over, now you're going to find something that's going to give you just cause to lock me up. When in the beginning of this, I did nothing wrong, but my car was too nice. Do you think that that repeated denial disempowers you the, the constant that, mm-hmm. the constant not allowing yourself to feel or the constant shrinking of some in some way or the mm-hmm. constant um i don't know energetically putting mm-hmm. your, your energy somewhere else do you think that 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 results in some kind of disempowerment it or does, affects I think your it, self-esteem even? I was going to say, it, I think it breeds an insecurity. 100%. You know, I think, I think it makes you think, I'm going into this office building. Let me just keep my head down, go where I have to go. Mm. Or, or try to lightly speak to people. Mm. You know what I mean? White people get nervous if black people get too loud. We all know that, even if we're just playing. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so at the end of the day, you're like, you know what? Let me just go in here and do my thing and, and try not to piss anybody off. But at the end of the day, like you can't get anything. To, even if you want to get something done in business that's productive, you are going to have to piss people off. But the problem is, if you piss off the wrong people and you happen to be the wrong color, 
you doing the right thing by 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 challenging people to progress is turned into you doing the wrong thing and now you're combative and raising waves it's like no nah, that's not the case i'm not causing waves i'm just trying to get you to do the, the job i'm trying to do my job that you hired me for but you're mad that i'm doing it too well and now you need to figure out a way to shut me up so it makes you insecure in that moment you go into a meeting and it could be a, a casual meeting and now you're like let me parse my words a little bit because if i say the wrong thing and some people might get upset and then like it just makes you think about the whole thing you know, look at all the NFL players right now. They're like, I'm not giving up my check. I can't. But if I said what I had to say, I'd be in a whole lot of trouble. And I think that's like across the board for everybody, even people that aren't athletes. That's, that's facts, man. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like Nas was saying, I, 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 I have been growing my hair for, I'm on year five with my locks. And my previous Me too, uh, profession, Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got a little I can lend you, I, um, but I, you know, in in my previous profession, I, I couldn't do that. I couldn't grow my hair, you know. Yeah. Like I, it wasn't until I left. It wasn't until I got away from a, a, a corporate structure that I was able to begin to start to express myself. What a denial! Somebody. What a denial right? of who you are. Right? And, and, and also just a, a, a complete stripping of my identity. And so mm-hmm. it, it, growing my hair as, an, as a form of expression of just, it's something that I've wanted to do my entire life, uh, started a process for me to be able to go into certain rooms and meetings and start to speak my truth a little bit more. But, mm-hmm. but like Rich was saying, there's still that trepidation of shit, I might piss people off or yeah. I might be blackballed so like I'm you know what I'm just I'm a little too emotional or I feel a little too deeply about this and you know there is that moment where you're like you know what I'm just I'm not gonna say nothing because I know y'all gonna take it in a way that will be negatively viewed in my aspect and and I won't I won't actually be able to reap the benefits of my positive contribution and it ends up going somewhere else. Yeah. Are there spaces, though, where you can feel deeply? Are there spaces, though, like that you have where you can just be? Um, I, I think those spaces are being created now. Like even a platform like this is amazing where you got three young black, you know, brothers open to being vulnerable and speaking their truths and, you know, you know, being a little sensitive and still being masculine. Like there was times like that was unheard of, you know what I'm saying? And I, I like Shanti's point earlier in regards to like, yo, are we feeling insecure? Like stuff, I, I forget what she mentioned, but it kind of like questioned our psyche. And it just took me back to a conversation I had with the young black brother that I met for the first time. And I thought this was the illest thing uh, is because we started talking about mental health. And he mentioned that, you know, he's, he goes and sees a counselor like two times a week, like, you know, and he said it so casually, like it was, it was like it was normal. Like, as if he's like, yeah, I go, I go get a haircut once a week. Or, yeah, I go to the gym, you know, three times a week. Like, and I just thought back, like, damn, like, back in the day, like, the 90s and 2000s that or whatever, that would never happen. Like, mm-hmm. he's not telling me that he's going to seek counseling. Like, no, he's, he's going to be so insecure. Like, that's not anything that will come up out of his mouth, number one. Number two, nine times out of ten, he's not going to speak to anyone about his feelings. Like, so mm-hmm. the new narrative is occurring right before our eyes. And I commend you guys on, you know, having this type of platform, utilizing it to, you know, push that narrative. And, you know, it's okay to have a therapist. It's okay to speak to someone. It's okay to, 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 to cry. It's okay mm-hmm. to, 
you know, express the way you feel because that's the only way we're going to get over this hurdle. I've been thinking about um, that this is a journey, right? This is this has taken us generations. A lot of things are repeating, but this tool, we're gaining new tools, we're gaining new experiences. White people are deeply involved in this journey as well. Um, and it requires stamina. Mm-hmm. It requires, if you think about an athlete, you have to train your body for months and condition it to be able to endure. I don't know how long basketball games are. What? Six to two hours a session. Hey, like that, but it's like a life. Ain't you an You like Iverson, right? That's what I'm saying. She ain't real. Listen, listen to me. I love Allen Iverson. Don't, don't. But that doesn't mean that I know basketball games. I don't care about him as an athlete. Now, what number was he? At least tell me that. What number was he? Number three. Okay. Oh, there we go. So I had I had my I had my my white beater in eighth grade. Showing him all. Shout out to Philly. So, um, damn. Oh, I was saying, you know, this journey requires stamina, and stamina requires nourishment, right? And I've been thinking about how we really need to consider this fight in terms of energy. Like, you know, when you walk into a room, or, or when you're talking about when you're in your car and a cop comes to you, something happens energetically that then affects your body physically, right? But it happens first in this intangible place of energy and that it's really powerful that there's that honest discussion of like, I feel disempowered and it's some, my energy is somehow being depleted or drained or denied and a lot of it has to do with our own personal, you know, um, conditioning. Like, it's, of course, it's the world, but it also, like, this is, we're in our bodies and we're feeling things and we're, kind, we're responsible for um, what happens. And I just really, I hope that people can, especially as we're, as we're all, like, all ramped up and there's a lot of action like this, this rah-rah right now is just not sustainable. Like, just energetically. Yeah. It's not sustainable. We don't, our community is not even in place in terms of food that can even fuel that kind yeah. of momentum and fight if it, if it comes down to it that needs, that will happen. But I just think it goes back to the most minute and intangible place of how we're feeling, how you're feeling in your body and experiencing and making that a practice to feel whole and full in your own bodies energetically. Cause then that translates to a whole other different set of possibilities for us. And the fact that so many young boys and black men are walking down here like on an E, you know what I mean? And like scared to like fill the fuck up and get big. It just, I, I don't know how to make that happen, but I'm, I also am really, happy that that's what black men especially are talking about and like creating space for in themselves or realizing that there's there's this capacity and this potential and this 
power that like hopefully we can begin to build and build collectively and like there should be no shame guilt or fear around like being getting big and see i think what you had to say goes to answer that's question though in a way like when she asks like well um uh number one where are the spaces where you can feel whole right and you can just be yourself i think the whole point of all of this and all the rhetoric that comes from government and police and things like that is to stop that yeah right i don't care what you say i've said this for years man white people scared of black people and that's why it's all these rules right because at the end of the day it's like if if we're the better athletes right and we have the same mental capacity and and we have a bigger sense of community and just a whole bunch of different things we would be completely unstoppable and all of these things are put in place to find a way to systematically stop you from being what you're supposed to be right i think you get conditioned to having to live a certain way so that you your feeling of tired and your feeling of frustration is normal mm-hmm. so you don't even really know the other end of that right mm-hmm. i did a show and this is going to sound like a, sa- a shameless plug but it's not uh, i did a, a show with uh, a friend of mine uh, on, on my podcast about um why black people don't go to therapy and he's a doctor level uh, um, therapist and like talking to him about it. He's like, listen, man, we just don't know that the resource is there. Like we talk about it, but in our community, we make it seem like it's something that's beneath us. You only go there when you're crazy. No, you don't really go there when you're crazy. You go there to have a vulnerable space, but that's not how people look at it. Right. Like we look at it like, unless my life is completely falling apart, I ain't going all I need is Jesus. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. That's probably not the case. You know what I mean? Like you're going to need a little bit more than that. And I think that when you use it as a resource, as opposed to uh, just simply uh, 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 something for recovery, you know, it, it, it'll make you better. But I don't think enough people have that, that message. You know what I mean? I go to therapy and I pay $40 a session. You know how much I can spend in a bar? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like on a random Tuesday, just because I got excited to order everybody shots. And now I got this big tag. Like, and I, I just think that we, we Shout sometimes overlook Billy bars. You know, I'm like, I can't buy all the You know all it. All the New Yorkers are like, what? No, nah, okay, it's me like, so... that's two drinks. Yeah, no, right? Like, Billy, that's like it 16 is. drinks. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> you have to go on the days where you get the specials. Like, you can't just, I go out on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I know. You know? That, oh, right. Weekends, you know. Oh, my I'm God. Cheap. I'm cheap. We party yeah, like you I, next I think time. you just <laughs> Yeah. I just think you get conditioned to it yeah. though. And I think I think it's it is a long race and it's a race that we've been running unwillingly though. Yeah. And I think that the only time you get tired of running, the only time you give up running is is when you feel comfortable. So if you're not ti- if if you're not comfortable, you're never going to get tired of running the race because you feel like you have to. You know, so you get so conditioned to it, it's like, well, this is just what I have to do. This is what we have to do and there's no alternative, so I'm gonna keep on pressing. You know, there's this, uh, and, and meanwhile, in the background, there's like there's like gunshots and, and loud yeah, bangs still going you. off, and it's wild over here. I'm but, trying to figure out where they got so many helicopters. Like, where have these been at the whole time? So, so I don't know if a lot of people know this. They mobilized the National Guard across the country. Yeah, they did. Yeah, I know. And so mm-hmm. they got they got armored vehicles. They got yeah. you know, and then there's a whole other thing that you know President Trump was that that fool was was talking about mobilizing. He did that for a uh, fucking photo op. Military. That's he all. moved. Yeah. He wow. mobilized the military so the peaceful protesters could Come get move. from in front of yep. a church so he could have a fucking photo op. Yep. Yep. 
Yep. That's a reality TV. Like I can't. I, yeah. See you guys. But um, there's there's a there's an amazing interview. Um, I, I don't know if any of you seen it. A few, maybe like a year or two ago, it was trending for a while. Uh, with um, James Baldwin and Nikki Giovanni yeah. uh, discussing how uh, you know the black man, how 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 beat down he is. He goes to work and his white boss or is is mm-hmm. is on him. You know he travels to and from and police are on him and he does nothing but come home and kind of take that out on his his family dynamic and you know they they have an interesting and just honestly i think it's a really intellectually beautiful sparring match between between the two of them you know and it just makes me think of this you know as an activist and as, as somebody that has a lot of these conversations with people trying to encourage them to to volunteer and to vote and all of that uh type of civic responsibilities is is changing the narrative to understand that this isn't a um, this isn't a race. This is more like a marathon, mm-hmm. uh, but th- this is a marathon with no end destination mm-hmm. because this is a it's a constant work. And you know, one day when I'm called up, when I pass, you know, my baton is being passed to someone else, whether it's in my right. family, whether it's someone that's working, I'm working alongside of, and the importance of. Uh, of maintaining your energy in that space and understanding what you need to to refuel. There's weeks sometimes where I um I got event after event after event, protests, speaking engagement, and I'm 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 pouring out all my energy, phone calling uh, community members, doing a lot of activist work, and then there are weeks where I just completely shut down and isolate because I know I have depleted myself, and I pick up a video game or I pick up a book or I. You know, I'm just watching some nonsense on TV with my son. And so uh, I say that to say is, is it's, it's important that we understand that this, for a lot of folks that are wondering what's the, what's the, what thing they can do or when is it going to end? And it, it, it's, it's important to understand that it's never going to end because there is always going to be some work. It's just understanding that the work should start to get easier over time mm. the work should change because when you when you look at it as if the work is never going to end or if you look at it as if I don't get here that means I failed you won't understand the importance of continuing and to keep going and to make sure that you bring others along with you because if, if I know that I got to go to get 20 points to win I'm just going to stop when I get to 20 points and it's like well that's not really that's not the end result we want uh, uh, equity amongst black people we want police to stop harassing and killing us but that's not the end goal the end goal is is not just representation not just fair treatment but it's it's so that we we can uplift our entire community out of this state of poverty and out of this state of oppression and one day it may not necessarily be black people one day it may be asian people one day it may be white people that's the the oppressed people, and that work can still continue. And so it, it's I, I have this discussion all the time about changing the narrative of this is a path that doesn't end. This is a path and not a, an end game. I think um, you mentioning community is so important because I have to be honest. I'm learning a lot from Shanti. God bless her soul because I'm, and I felt my body when she was like. I felt my body get tense when, she, when when you mentioned like, oh, well, you know, this isn't something, this energy, we can't keep up. 
And immediately inside of my body was like, but we have to. Mm. And it was like, I'm like, no, we have to. Like, there's no choice. Like, we have to fight this fight. We don't have an option to get tired. And like, being your friend is, has opened my mind up a lot. And I have to, I, sometimes I sit down and I think like, what the fuck? Like, I'm about to lose my mind. What would she do? Or what would she tell me? And it's usually to rest so that, and restore. But like, I have her to do that. And I can call her at 1 a.m. and cry about this shit. And I'm just, a lot of the men that I talk to, I don't know if y'all are having those kind of conversations outside of, yo, you see that shit? That shit crazy, yo. Mm. And that's it. And a lot of times, and that's why Nas, mm. the other day when this shit really hit the fan, I reached out to all the men that I care about in my mm. phone and was like, I have the capacity today to hold space because I'm pretty sure they're not, they don't have anywhere to go to just be like, yo, are you good? How do you feel? Talk. Yeah. But yeah. I want y'all to talk to each other. Yeah. Not, not yeah, to cut I wonder you off what kind of community spaces. Go ahead. Nas. I was going to say, uh, not only do you call on your, uh, on your brothers to check on them, um, I like, I'm about to tell this story. I, like, it's no, kind of funny, not but it's real. But <laughs> like, out on the street, we was in the Uber. And as we were driving, we drove past one of your, your male friends, I believe, like your best oh. male friend. And, you know, he was, it looked like he was detained by a police officer. So um, Antoinette saw him and saw the situation. And as the Uber was driving, she was like, oh, no, I got to get out. I got to, I got to go. And the Uber didn't come to a complete stop, uh, stop. And she just jumped out the car and ran to the situation to, to make sure he was good. And... I saw her do that, and I'm like, yo, Antoinette's a real one. Like, she's the type of person that would have been with Harriet Tubman, you know, helping everybody get across, like, you know, that type of energy. And I was like, yo, if, if it ever goes down, like, I'm calling Antoinette, you know, because I know <laughs> she's going to have my back. You know? I got you. You know, but um, to, to, to go back to y'all points, I really respect the fact that, um, Shanta, you said it's unsustainable, which I agree. And we got to rest and restore, right? And like as much energy, you know, we display at these protests, you know, it's all great, right? But at the same time, like come November, if we don't have that same energy, if if we don't find time to rest and restore before November to, to have that same type of energy, like it's going to, like we would have done all this stuff for nothing. nothing. You know, that's when the change really occurs. And I, I know in my younger, my younger life, like in my, in my low teens, mid teens, like at the time I would only vote for a president, Like I wouldn't vote locally. I didn't care. I didn't really understand, you know, how it affected us, you know, at that age. And then, you know, as I got older, I'm like, yo, the local vote matters even more. So I started doing that. But like now this November, I'm taking it upon myself to not only you know, vote, you know, locally, presidentially, but also I'm going out and volunteering, right? And I'm, I'm a be in Brooklyn. I'm a be in, I'm from Jersey. I'm a be in Newark. I'm a be, you know, I'm a, if I can, I'll go down to Philly too, to volunteer and help and educate the youth and, and the elderly that still don't vote or still only vote presidentially and don't vote locally because I understand the power, um, you know, that comes along with it. And that's the only way we're going to see real change. But Nas, I we I want to get to voting because I okay. everybody on this podcast knows that I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you just talked about what you're gonna like all the things that you're gonna do, all the mm -hmm. energy that you're gonna give. Mm -hmm. Who are you calling to restore? 
are, are do you have males in your life mm. like are y'all doing that are y'all are y'all calling each Don't other take naps together because i take naps with this bitch no no naps <laughs> she no, runs no, me no, bath no, water so i can cry no naps no naps y'all, y'all can no call naps. me for a lot of stuff but if y'all no, call me at nap all. time i don't really no, think no. that's gonna go well yeah. no. <laughs> you have a nap with nobody then. But, no, no we don't do that none of that but you know i, I have friends i have business partners that you know we're more like brothers so you know we do a lot of things together like whether it's you know we're all we encourage each other to run right or ride bikes and there's apps where you know you don't got to live in the same state like one of my closest friends lives in LA and I talk to him every day and we we engage with one another damn near every day because we're a part of a, a, a bike riding app or or running app or like like every time he, he posts a new music playlist you know he shares it so it's like you know it's digital ever especially now like with COVID we all living on Zoom and FaceTime and, and so on and so forth. So like, I do have that buddy system that I could count on. And like, like I said, bef- like before when I would see. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Another black brother, like you would kind of be standoffish. You wouldn't talk to them. But like now, like if I saw any of these dudes in the street, I'd probably walk up to them like, yo, what's good? My name Nas, like what's going on? Like I would engage in conversation because nowadays it's like, it's us versus them, right? So it's like any black brother that I see, especially one that looks like he got a good head on his shoulders, you know, I'm gonna come up to them and talk, like, and see if we can find some positivity and how we, and figure out how we could, you know, push the momentum forward. <laughs> you know, you know, it's crazy. I, uh, born and raised in Philly, right? And I didn't realize how cold of a city I was born in, right? <laughs> I started I started traveling and I remember one time I was in LA and um, I think it was probably the first time I went and I'm, I am I love the West Coast. So I try to go all the time, right? Like I, as a family, like we try to go all the time, right? So like, anyway, we're I'm, I'm at a, at a uh, like a house party kind of thing. And uh, this girl that I know was like, yo, you okay? I said, yeah, I'm good, why? She's like, yo, you don't move and you haven't really said too much to anybody. I've even talking to people a little bit, but let the Philly down and like put that down. Mm, 
that's a good and one. just get comfortable. Like you good, nothing's gonna happen. I feel you dudes be so mad. Like, no, being single <laughs> freeway. What's crazy is like you, just, no, I you can't that. help it. <laughs> like you cannot bro. help it. You cannot help it, man. And but until you until you expand your network, yeah, and until yeah. you until you realize that that's a thing that you're battling, you're gonna lose that fight every time. You can't fight a battle that you don't even know that you're in. So, like, and I think that that goes to like even building community. So you can have the space to say to someone, this is how I feel. Yeah. I mean, if I can barely mm. speak to you when I see you yeah. in the street, how am I going to tell you how I feel? Yeah. It's going to take you so long to get to that point. You know what point. I mean? I, I laughed because I got a, I got a friend and I've known him forever. And, and his name is Deuce. I didn't find out until a couple of years ago, we were adults, right? His girlfriend was like, well, Andrew, you, I said, your name is Andrew. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Are you Deuce. kidding me? This whole time, like yeah. I knew that couldn't be a name, but I still didn't picture Andrew, right? But the but the thing is, like that goes to say, like you can know somebody for so long and still never let them in. And if you never let a person in, or you never let your family in, you never let anybody, it, it it'll never work. Even when you go to reach out, because the other person also won't know what to do with what you're trying to give them. You know, it it'll be so new to them because it's not a space that you share. Then it then then in turn, it was crazy. It's a crazy cycle. But then in turn, you make you feel like ah, I should have said it. never mind it's cool you know what I mean so I think that that sense of community and family and and aligning yourself with a beautiful black woman that's got a good head on her shoulders for you to be able to just tell her how you feel I think a lot of people don't have y'all it. be shutting the fuck down in relationships too stop lying to everybody but the thing is though <laughs> but you're right you, you are absolutely right you're absolutely right but I think you're so Talk conditioned number one as a man to say your feelings so this is the thing right can, can, I, can I go like on a go in go in baby go in so like so like I say this all the time like we 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 as a society blame men in relationships for not being able to open up but from the time that you're born you're told stop crying about that don't worry about this and it's basically get over whatever's happening at the moment yeah right then for us you add being black on top of that right so then it's like there's there's never been a space for you to share how you feel and now you're 25 and trying to get married and she asks you how you feel like I don't know because I've yeah. never taken the time yeah. or even had the space to to figure out how I feel and now you ask me all these questions and you feel like I'm shutting you out I ain't shutting you out I just don't even know what's there so the door is locked to me too See, this that's is why that therapy. This is why that's a whole nother episode. Now, no, but guys, it's connected. No, but it's connected. It's all one big thing. It's connected. Like, I can add to thing. what you just it said. Is. I can add because, like, it, it, imagine if you had a father. You know, unfortunately, that was in and out uh, of your life. You know, growing up, or worse, a father that you know was abusive. You know, and that's all you seen. And like mm -hmm. that was that that was your role. Like that was. You know, that was your role model or as, when you grew up, you ended up becoming like him, coupled with all the other things you just said, right? Or a father that just didn't know how to show emotion either. That too, Antoinette. Come on, you an immigrant, yeah. baby. I already know. Yeah, 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 exactly. Being African, like my like my parents never told me that they loved me. Like my mom did every one, once in a while. Don't get me wrong. They showed me, especially my mom. Like they showed me you know, overwhelmingly, like, am I, but my dad just never said it up until this day. And I know he loves me, you know, from the bottom of his heart, but for some reason he's, he, he's, he's never said it and he hasn't said it up to this day. But I like, and I told Antoinette that and she was like, yo, that's crazy. But to me, that's normal. But like, when I have my kids, I'm gonna break that. I'm gonna tell my son every day how much I love him. Um, and hopefully he's like, you know, he comes out looking like the mother. Cause like you know, I'm messing with you. <laughs> we should have another episode because I often yeah. wonder how that 
that intimacy or that fear or that that blockage there how that plays out with your children it's a lot to unpack right it is it's it's a whole lot to unpack because you there's there's so many variables for me i have like i have my son but then i how old is your son Sala? my son is 15. you sure I'm pretty sure. I, to, I actually, yo, I bro, to you look 15, bro. You I look 15, right? Yo, when look, I met bro. him, he told me his kids were teenagers. I was like, well, how like, old are you? <laughs> Black no crack, my guy. Exactly. <laughs> Listen, watch it. Um, but no, but like my my relationship with my son was is is unique in the sense that I I try to provide him what I never got. Mm. You know what my my I, I can count on two hands how often I've seen my father. You know, mm-hmm. um, and but at the same time, there's a struggle because I'm also conditioned to to be like, you know, you got to be hard, you got to be strong, you got to be, yeah. you can't be, you can't show weakness. But at the same time, I still want to grab him and kiss him on the forehead to this day, and, you know, tell him I love him. And, you know, and then that also plays into the relationship with my wife and being able to open up with her. And, and tell her how I'm feeling or recognize that I am feeling um, and mm. share that with her and yeah. not just, you know, what's wrong? I'm fine. And it's like, right. well, no, you're not fine. Like there's something there or you're thinking something or it's a little deeper than that. And so all of that is so intertwined and connected with each other. And it's, it, it's, it's a process to actually even understanding that that isn't normal. And then there's that process of actually finding the right outlets and the right connections that you can make to people that will actually embrace it because understanding that it's not normal is one step of that but then once you start trying to find people to connect with there are people that you know will begin to embrace you but those aren't the right people that you need in your space those aren't the right relationships that you need to maintain that's going to help continue build that 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 energy that you need to to share and to connect and that's working towards positivity and so th- there are so many different steps to that process that and, and everybody goes through it in so many different ways you know I'm st- to the, I always tell people t- to this day I'm still going through these different processes of embracing my son the right way uh, embracing my wife the right way I have two stepdaughters embracing them the right way mm-hmm. it's 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 a it's a learning process every single day. So Salah, do you think do you think that do you think that uh, it is <clears throat> it it becomes easier to open up that way with your wife based off of how she handled things before? Like you know how, you know how we always say like or people people have this narrative that like oh well if you tell her she's gonna flip out. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know I whatever it is, even, yeah. exactly. Like she gonna she gonna snap. I don't even want to talk about it. But there's so much value to me in having a woman in your life that doesn't get upset at every little thing and can say, "No, you're sharing, and this is how you feel." Let me make you. Let me give you a safe space to be able to say that, even if it's about me, and not feel attacked, not go off. I think that we that constant. Not, I don't. I don't want to call it constant, but I think that that that. Uh, space is necessary, but not everybody can even provide that for you. So like you said, like people might reach, people might give you the space, but what they do with it after you give them that is what's more important than them giving you the opportunity to share. Absolutely. And, and I, 
I, I think that gets, you know, that point, especially finding the right partner to do that with, gets so lost because that gets misconstrued into she's going to just accept whatever I throw out there. And that's not <laughs> necessarily the case. Yeah. It's more yeah. about allowing me the space to share and then doing something with it together, mm-hmm. right? And talking about it and acknowledging what's there together. And that's, that's you, you're right. That's so important because so many people can can take what you share, can take that power that you gave them and then really misuse it in, in, in a way that just it's not detrimental to your growing and then allows you or forces you really to kind of withdraw a little bit more. So how can we better support y'all in this with this specific topic? Um, What's the specific topic? I mean, the, the top, the top, <laughs> I love you. Which one so are you much. talking about? <laughs> I'm just talking about in general when it comes to being a black man in America. That um, how can women better support. Go ahead, Shanti. Shanti. Go ahead, Shanti. Oh, I Talk see your you shit, saying. girl. She about to be like, fuck your feelings. No. <laughs> How can... Because I'm also hearing, and this is what I'm hearing, and I might be wrong, but I'm also hearing, like, even with, you know, going to therapy, which is amazing and can change your life and can help you see things and offer different perspectives, even in relationships, you know, how your partner can, can hold space for you. But I think, again, what I am really interested in, how can you learn to, to feel, or how can we help you learn to feel safe in your bodies and feeling full in them and in the many ranges that, you know, you're, you can exist. You know what I mean? Because I I just feel like a therapist, yeah, you can go to a therapist, but first you have to be able to recognize that you're sad and name it, you know? And then your therapist will be like, oh, that could come from some trauma, da, 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 da. Or recognize I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling guilt. I'm feeling shame. I'm feeling... How, how can we begin to help you identify how you're feeling in your bodies? You know what I mean? Because I feel like it also becomes this crazy trip where women are like doing a lot of that work of, of the emotional bringing that labor. out from men versus having you kind of giving you giving them the strength tools. of like, this is, this is how I feel and like without putting it on somebody else. Or without relying on somebody else to like mm-hmm. make sense of it, even does that make sense? That, that's it, it does, but that's not that's not your role. And you know, I, I I'll be the first person to say that's not that's not you know the woman's role to to validate how a man feels, but then also to force him to be comfortable sharing how he feels because mm-hmm. that just doesn't that doesn't yeah. work. No. For, for for I mean it, it certainly doesn't work for me. I don't know about the other brothers, but like, you know, forcing me to share just kind of makes me not no, want no, to share. No, no, of course not. Or or forcing not. me to going down that path has to be someone that, a path that I start by myself. Right. And so for for a woman to be supportive in moments like this, it's really just to say I'm there. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm there for you. And and, and for for men, we, we, we know that, and you don't have to be a perfectly healed man to know that, uh, to, to feel that, to understand that. Um, but we know that. And, and it's, 
that journey of starting down that path of recognizing what you feel has to be a journey that the man has to take himself. Right. And yeah. so if that is not the responsibility of your partner to do that for you. Um, but when you are there, when you have moments where you fear going outside, <clears throat> when you fear being pulled over by the cops, you know, I, I think as women, you can recognize those moments as a collective that men, you know, when we get pulled over, there's a, even though we may not show it, there's a, there's our heart flutters. We, we scared of what's going to happen with that cop behind me. We, we scare for what's going to happen when I know I'm going to this next protest. I'm, I'm fearful of, of having difficult conversations at work. I may not necessarily show it, but y'all know it's there. And so you don't necessarily have to call it out. You don't have to make me face it, but just as I support you, I'm there for you. That's, 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 I would say that's what I need in moments like that. And that's, that's what I get from, from my wife. I think, I think that um, the, it's impossible to, it's impossible to make a man feel safe because that's our job to kind of Salah's point, right? Like me, me feeling safe is, is such a, I guess like an existential kind of thing. It comes from all of your surroundings and what the things that you're faced with um, because your job and your role is going to be, and you're going to want to be the protector, right? I think that one of the biggest things that you can do um, is to give a man a calm space to just be himself, whatever, whatever it is, even if there isn't chaos going on, like right now, you know, even if, even if it's just, I guess I'll say like regular times, like whatever that means now. Right. But like, I think that having a space where your, your home is peaceful or your interactions are peaceful or, and I'm not placing that all on women. Right. But I think that a lot of times, um, you can be, I think everybody has met somebody that's like, yo, she is just the sweetest person. Even if you just met her on the train and it's just like, yo, this might be the sweetest person. Like those kinds of interactions, believe it or not, give people hope. And it kind of re-energizes people. Cause you like, everybody really is not like out to get me. There are people that care about me without them even having to say it, but this, just them being a genuine person. Um, and I can feel that they're a peaceful person. It makes me feel a little bit more, um, a little bit more safe. And the other thing to Salah's point is like, as a going down that journey of, of unpacking how you feel comes from a level of maturity too. Mm-hmm. I think you have to seek after a certain maturity to even be able to get to the point where you want to head down that road because it's going to be ugly. It's going to be harder than probably anything else that you've had to do because everything else you can control. I was talking to one of my, one of my friends uh, a couple of months ago and he was like, man, ever since I started going to therapy, I cry at everything. I said, see, I told you that was going to happen. I told you. Because you start watching movies and it's all like Inside Out. I don't know if my kid's little, so I don't know if y'all seen Inside Out. But as an adult, you watch Inside Out, you like, you know, I do feel, I do feel sad. And I didn't even realize, you know what, I'm going to turn this off because I can't be in here crying by myself. But like, I think once you, once you unpack and you start to deal with how you feel and some of the things that have happened, I think that is the road to feeling um, whole. Yeah. And I think that it's impossible to uh, effectively love, effectively parent, effectively uh, even reach your potential if you're not whole. And, and it's crazy because it doesn't mean that you won't get to great heights with your business or whatever, but like you won't be whole as a person. 
And being whole as a person is the thing that translates into how you raise your children and how you interact with your with the people around you immediately. Um, and I think that's the part that we don't necessarily seek after, right? It's like, well, let me acquire all these things, but not let me be whole. And I think that if 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 more of us were seeking after being whole, I think we would make better decisions with a lot of the things that we do. If I'm whole, I don't have to buy a car to show off to my friends. Mm-hmm. If I'm, I laugh at people that come in the barbershop dressed in sneakers that just came out the day before at seven o'clock in the morning. Like, did you want me to ask you where you got them from so fast? Oh man, you killing them with these Jordans, dog. Like, I don't care. I don't. I don't care. My shirt is probably wrinkled at seven in the morning and <laughs> trying to get a haircut. Cause it doesn't matter to me, but like, are you, what are you after? And I think if you're after being whole, you'll get there. Well said. Yeah. I'm gonna drop a bomb on that one, okay? Definitely drop a bomb on that. <laughs> and it's like, you have to like break down the hyper-masculinity walls, you Absolutely. know, to become whole, right? And mm-hmm. when, you, when you reach that wholeness, that's when you're the most productive. That's when you're yep. the most successful. That's when your mind is the clearest, right? So. You know, yeah, your words are powerful. Um, but quick question, is everyone familiar with the five love languages? Yes. The five love languages, right? Like acts of service, <laughs> physical touch, words of affirmation. You know, some people yeah. aren't, you know, gifts, quality time. Right, I right, feel right. like to answer your question, um, I feel like you guys need to find out your significant other's love languages, um, whether it's their your, your husband, your boyfriend, or just your male friend, just so you could know how the best way to, you know, show them love, number one. And number two, the other love languages where they might be low in, like for me, where's the affirmation? When I took the test, like came out to like a one or like a two, <laughs> like super low. Like I didn't really care for it, right? But like, as you I- You like, grow up needing it. Exactly. Like, you know, at the time when I took it, I was like, yo, I don't need words of affirmation. That's nothing. Like, I'm good. But like the more and more I have conversations with you guys and the more and more I dive deep and deep into it, I'm like, yo, I I, I like words of affirmation. I think Tell I me you love me, girl. <laughs> yeah, I <think> <laughs> like, so, you know, so it's just like, just learning, just like the, uh, uh, the young brother said earlier, is like, we got to help ourselves first, right? Before right. y'all can help us, mm-hmm. right? So I got, I've learned myself. So now I could tell, you know, my lady, like, look, man, I, I, I know I told you I love physical touch and I love, you know, acts of service, which I really do love. You know, I'm starting to... Love poly talk, physical touch, acts of service. All of that. I also like gifts now. Yeah, and exactly. I want you to tell me that. You like exactly. my Exactly. And, and I like Jell-O fries too. So. <laughs> I like Jell-O fries. <laughs> nah, but it's like, yeah, like, just communicating with your partner and then them communicating back and then actually making it fun, like competing, like, you know what? Like, I'm gonna beat you in regards to like, showing you all your loves. Like, I'm gonna do a lot more than you. And then making it fun and and making it, you know, challenging each other to see who could outshow in in love. And that's that's something that we're not used to seeing. Or, you know, like with my parents, they're still together, God bless them. And I know that they have love, but I never really seen them, you know, kind of show each other love, like in the way where, you know, it should be right so you know just changing that narrative to to move forward and I, those are my two cents and uh That's I think I'm gonna come out with a book like, like <laughs> <laughs> I got I got a lot of love languages like <laughs> 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 it's, you know it's crazy. it changes too 
yeah, it changes too. Bro. As you, you get you get older, you go through some stuff. You like, man, I didn't uh, I didn't realize I needed that. You know, like, or I, used to say all the like time, I don't like, need any more quality time. Get away from I can, me. Yo, I can give y'all an example. Like, like my shorty leave notes hey, don't just get around trouble, the crib. Bro. And then, no, no, no. She leave notes around the house. And for the longest time, I was That's like, yo, it's going to do nothing for me. Then, all right, cool. Like, I see the little notes. But then they stop for a while. And I'm like, so what's your problem? <laughs> all right. Like, you good? <laughs> so I think, I think I'm going to leave my notes. Yeah. Like, I don't have you. I'm going to open my lunchbox. I didn't see a note in it. <laughs> We got all this mirror and no notes. Like, what's happening? <laughs> Sweet. I, think, I think over time, though, I think that that your needs change. And I think the things that that sometimes you're even attracted to become the things that you're conditioned to. And you don't realize the value in the things that you're not ordinarily attracted to. And then when those things are introduced to you, at first, you're like, I, I didn't ask you for that. Like, I didn't really, I didn't really want that. But then you realize the value in it, and it's like, okay, well, we'll bring it, bring it back. Now she like, I thought you said it, you didn't like my little notes. You know what I'm saying? And then, then you get, you get all this. Yeah, no, <laughs> you're like, all right, all right, right. Yeah. But I, but I think I think that I think that um, being being able to love and being loved is what will energize you for getting up and going to work yeah. every day. You you want to deal with what you have to deal with at work because you have people that are counting on you. And when you know those people value the things that you're doing for them every day, it makes you want to get up and say, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I might not want to, but I'm just going to do it. Um, I think that we have gotten so conditioned as men to the chaos that the chaos translates to our relationships too. And a relationship becomes something that's depleting. You know what I mean? Everybody likes like a little bit of crazy, but then when she gets like way down the deep end, you're like, all right, now I can't deal with all this because it's draining. Who got all day to be on the phone arguing back and forth? Now you arguing and getting in trouble because you've been on your break too long. You know what I'm saying? And I and I think I just think that it's all one big puzzle. And I think that a lot of times we try to pick at like, well, we can do this, we can do that, we can do whatever. And it's like, nah, we got to help ourselves. You have you guys have to help us with this race issue. White people had to help us. It's the first time we've had this. This much of an uproar, and white people are out there with the black people. They're out there it's with the, the first shits. time. You can't you can't make any kind of change. It, like there's this there's this quote that says like culture is not a sports car that can be changed. Uh, that you you can change the direction of it on a dime. Doesn't work like that. You know what I mean? Culture is like trying to race elephants. <laughs> like it's just slow. It ain't gonna get no faster. But you have to just stay the course. But I think like trying to pick at each individual thing. It's like, it's systematically that makes sense. But when you unpack it and it's like, nah, this the whole, like, I, I just need to control all the leak and yeah. like restart this whole joint because apparently we got a virus. Ciao. All right, well, yeah, I think deep, bro. That was fine. <laughs> he's preaching the conversation <laughs> fit. <laughs> 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 got a virus. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think this is bringing us to a good place of like, I, I guess my last. Uh, talking point is like, what is the solution or what are the solutions? Naj, you were, I almost called you Chi. Naj, you were bringing up voting. Is it voting? Is it not voting? Is it protesting? Is it peaceful protests? Is it nonviolence? Is it by any means necessary? Is it all of it? Yeah, I think it's all of it. I think it's a combination of everything we've like articulated throughout, you know, this conversation. Like, if like it, like let's say I was to listen to this whole conversation and like and I took notes, I'll come up with like ten different things or even more. You know, I feel like we were dropping gems as we you know as we <laughs> were speaking. So 
like, yes, yeah, it's, it's all of the above. It's, you know, just as little as, you know, going to seek therapy because like, when you go see a therapist, nine times out of 10, you know, you're, you're helping yourself. And just like we said earlier, you know, we can't seek help from others when we haven't even helped ourselves. So like, that's a step in the right direction, you know, voting, voting locally, you know, volunteering to help other people vote and educating them to vote. That's a step in the right direction. Like there's so many things that, you know, um, or even, you know, the brother earlier said that, you know, he felt kind of, you know, like with his hair, with his locks, going to work, he, he kind of felt anxious. Maybe he comes across another brother, you know, that has locks and you can immediately identify his fear, you know, because you've been through it, right? So he's probably hiding and won't nobody like pick up, pick up on it, but you can. So you go over to him and you have that, that initial conversation with him, you know, and you know, you, you help him navigate through that situation. Like that's helpful too. So there's so many different ways where you can skin the cat and, and you know, push the culture forward and try and try to end like, you know, this never ending racism and white supremacy. White supremacy, we have not named it. White supremacy. Yeah, white Terrorism. supremacy. I've be, been waiting for that. Like, yeah. Let's yeah. call it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, name that shit. Yeah. I think I think one of the biggest things uh to to your point, man, is like I think that there are not enough of us in positions to make the decisions that affect us. You know, there, there's a lot of councilmen that come from our neighborhoods, but not a lot of us above that, you know? And I think right now you're starting to see a lot of governors, um, a lot of mayors, a lot of mayors that are black. Yeah. Like a lot of mayors that are black. And I think, I think that's a progressive thing, you know, Mm -hmm. people in positions of power where they really can't be touched. Um, and can't be can't be dethroned by anything other than a vote. Um, and I think that it's important to keep those people there as well as support them and push them to the next level where they can kind of create um, a, a large a large change. But I, I also think that like um, interactions like the one that we're having now, uh, interactions just daily with our children, with um, um, just people that you come in contact with. I think that we can show that there's more to us than what some of these other people think. A lot of times, some of the interactions that you'll have with white people, it's like, oh man, you're actually intelligent. Actually intelligent. Okay, well, uh, I'm going to ignore that. (laughs) But yes, you're absolutely right. But I think sometimes we can be the example. I don't think that, I think that sometimes we lose sight of that. And we put on these displays sometimes that can at times make us look bad. And I don't think we look at it like that. And I think that if we look at the, the, the environment that we're creating and the things that we do to each other, uh, and you can then present it like, listen, man, we take care of each other. And if you don't want to help us with that, then you're against us. And that's a, and that's a problem for us and be able to do something about it because we have people backing us then I think you can start to see things kind of change. Yeah, just just real, a real quick point. I don't know if she's the mayor or um, governor. I think her name is Keisha of Atlanta. Keisha. Yeah. Mayor, mayor of Atlanta. Yeah, the mayor of Atlanta. But to your point, like we need more people in, uh, in as decision makers, right, in positions mm-hmm. of power. Because I saw a video on Instagram, and it's, it's crazy because my neighbors from – 
yeah, you you already know where I'm headed to. My neighbor from Atlanta knew the knew the the, the couple that were in the oh, car God, that got two tased, students. right? Yeah, the, the two, two college students. students. Yeah, mm-hmm. that got tased, and within 24 hours, you know, she was able to fire the two police officers that you know you, you know um, utilize excessive force and utilize the taser on these two young black kids, right? Like so. Just imagine if we had more mayors, like in different cities, like Cuomo. Shout out to him, but at the same time, there there's a lot of um, instances like that that are occurring in New York where these police officers aren't getting fired, right? And you know, Cuomo, you know, he's he's doing a pretty good job, right? And he's saying all the right things, but at the same time, like that could be all lip service. Like I need these NYPD officers to get fired for what they are doing, you know, or even in Minnesota. Like, it took them forever to, you know, um, lock up the, like, lock, first off, lock up the, the officer that killed. Yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, Minneapolis, to lock up the, the officer that murdered George Floyd. And then the other officers, like, are they even arrested yet? Like, like there's, there's nothing, right? So just imagine if we had, you know, people in power that looked like us, that was on the same agenda that really, you know, cared for us in those positions to make those decisions. So I really felt like your your point was a valid point. We need that. Speaking of Minneapolis, though, I do want to say that the police chief who fired all of them immediately was Black. And not only nice. did he go out there and fire them, he stood yeah, out there and fucking had an interview and said, what that was was unacceptable and it was murder. And that's why they had to go. And no police chief has ever done that. Why? Because they can be sued. That video, the prosecutors will use, you better believe it, to sue the fuck out of that city. And that, and he was not afraid. And he went out there and said that in front of the protesters and live on television. They had to go because that can't be on my force. And they were wrong. All of them. You know, that's important. We need that. that that's that's that part is is incredibly overlooked, but it's also important to to see that, you know, I, I don't know if y'all remember Alton. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, uh, what's the what's the other young man? It was the same day or a few days later as the Alton Sterling uh, shooting in Minneapolis a few years ago. But um, he was just uh, he was just acquitted for for his his murder. I forget the forget his name, but it's it's this process is long and you know while we'll call for the the firing of these officers we'll call for their arrests uh they still got to go through trial they still got uh uh jurors still got to go to their cases and a lot of these instances jurors are finding them not guilty and it's 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 to get to your initial question there's a lot that we need we need voting we need more protests because the protests garners an energy that um, voting doesn't garner. And it garners attention and shock and awe in folks that don't tune out to every election every six months, because that's how often you vote, right? It doesn't garner the attention of news media. Um, You know, voting doesn't, not like the protests do. It doesn't garner the casual attention that we pay to politics and, and, and our engagement. And so we need that. But we also need uh, uh, partners in Black um, grassroots organizations. We need volunteers in some of these organizations to call up your neighbor and say, hey, tomorrow's election day. Hey, did you register to vote? 
hey, your daughter is turning 18. Did they register to vote? Mm-hmm. Hey, this is this person is running. Let me tell you how terrible this person is. There are so many aspects of how we we have as a as as black people have fallen off as it when it comes to politics that on every level of engagement we need to step up you know education is a huge part of that we don't even really teach political science in schools we don't teach how you know as a as an 18 year old graduating high school this year or supposedly graduate high school this year or even next year are they even prepared to vote other than you know understanding that there's three branches of government there's so many aspects of how much we need to turn up uh, uh, our engagement when it comes to civics, but it also comes with the understanding that sometimes you do need to control the leak because there's a lot of stuff that is broken and there's a lot of systems that are in place that do not work and we need to get rid of them. But that we can't even have a conversation on getting rid of them if only 35% of our population is voting. That's an actual, that's a, that's a number. 35% of our, of our, of our young population is, is voting. How do you so, feel about voting? Right. This election specifically. You're voting um, for your life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, 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 you literally are, vo- I, honestly, I feel like if we, I, I feel like this is, this is, this is getting to a ward situation I think this man is really going to war on us. And if we don't use our power to take him out, he's going to continue his war on us, on black people. And that's, that's where it's come down to. Um, you know, we, if we don't vote, like we're, we're, you can count the number of lives that are going to get lost from, from, from not participating in this election. Um, because we've seen it, you know, we've seen it with, with, uh, COVID-19, we've seen that it affects black people more because we already have problems with our healthcare system, with our education system, um, and accesses to, to, to real infrastructure in our communities. And so we are impacted more. And because his lack of response to that, we are dying more, you know, it's this, this is life and death for us. Voting is life and death. Yeah, I feel like we're choosing. Are you talking about the presidential, or are you just yeah, talking, I'm talking about, about in the general? presidential race? I, I, I feel like we're voting in between the uh, two evils, right? And then it's like we always. just got to choose the mm-hmm. lesser of the two always. evils, always, right? Always. Mm-hmm. And you know, growing up, you know, you just always heard the, the Democratic Party was for the black community, and you know, now we know that both parties are evil. And at this point, it's like, all right, do you have a black agenda, uh, Joe Biden? You know? Um, and Child, he, he released it after that bullshit he said I to know, Charlemagne. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> and on top of that, like, to me, that's all lip service. Like, I really want you to get in there and do something. But like, like, I, like I said, I'm not really pressed about the presidential election because I know they're both full of shit. I'm more focused on a local level, you know? And that's something that I'm really going to center all my energy around come November. I, I just want to I want to I want to touch on that that aspect of uh, the lesser of two evils because there's a with with that mindset comes a mentality that mm. if I don't if it's the lesser of two evils so I might as well abstain That's and it's a, it's important to understand the distinction between the two you know both both Trump and Biden because. While you know Biden does a lot of lip service, right? He does a lot of you know he he he's a 
he's a Pennsylvania, Scranton, Delaware boy. Like he know how to talk the game, right? But at the at the end of the day, you can get you can put a lot more leverage on somebody like Biden and push him in the direction that we need to go than you can with somebody like Trump. And that's, that's, that's so incredibly important when it comes, especially mm-hmm. when we talk about, you know, going beyond voting, right? We talk about protesting. We talk about uh, 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 a deeper level of civic engagement because that's how you affect the policy. How you, it, how you, how you get the person in the office is voting. We all know that. But that's not how you affect policy. How you affect policy is how often you're calling your representatives, how often you're willing to write them, how how much you're willing to organize your community to to move in that direction at the same time. And there's that 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 aspect of what we talk about civic engagement is so missed because we there's there's this ideology that if I vote for someone in office. They understand me. They understand what I want, and they're just going to do. Right. It's like, well, when, when did you call them? Did you call them and tell them they were going to do that? How often did you see them? Is y'all like neighbors? Like they they <laughs> they have to hear from us on a regular yeah, and consistent yeah. basis in order for them to do. Otherwise, if we just vote and then don't do anything after that and just stay home, they're going to do what they think, or they're going to do what. Uh, the people that are in their ear the most is telling them to do. Or the people that got the most money that got them in there financially. Like, oh, but, oh, but I yeah. agree with you. I'm still going to vote. I'm still going to vote pre- on a presidential level. I just hate the way that, you know, Biden goes around acting as if like he already has a black vote and he's taking a black vote for granted. And, you know, this is the type of, you know, energy the democratic party, you know, has had for years. So I'm at, at this point, I'm like, yo, like, 10 times out of 10, I'm going to give you my vote because I, I don't want, you know, the clown that's the president, you know, to be the president again. But I'm like, what? I, I need change, bro. Like, I need some accountability. I, I need some action. I need a little bit more than lip service. And I agree with you. We get them in with the vote, but that's not where it stops. You got to continue, yeah. you know, um, to really see effective change. So, yeah. I'm you know, yeah. A, a, a lot to, a lot. A lot happened. A lot happened when Obama came into office. And we I feel like as a black community, we voted him in and then we expected things to just happen. Mm-hmm. Right. We expected policy to just, you know, come flowing out of the White House White House in our favor. And we forgot that we have to continuously follow up with our policymakers on the actions that they're doing, right? You know, you look at how much people hated, you know, Obamacare, right? Like how much that was, you know, so many people hated it when it came out, 2010, right? They they hated the, the idea that they might lose insurance or that insurance was changing, you know, but it overwhelmingly helps black communities. But we 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 failed to return that result when it came our time to vote. We failed to to actively engage and and speak truth to power of what that did for our communities and so it, it's we we can't we can't afford to continuously stay silent when it comes to voting we can't com- afford to continuously stay silent once the person is in office we have to be vocal about what they are doing for us and what they're not doing for us not just when it's a republican but also especially when mm-hmm. it's a democrat because that's how they stay in office if they're actually doing the just mm-hmm. thing for our community. 
Well, and so we just got political. That's wonderful. That's, that's Salah's yeah, thing, though. Yeah, I'm here for Salah. That's that's. I mean, I, I mean, all day long. I mean, I'm I, I I'm a student of history. I, I I like to study. I like to 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 find as much information as I can because we 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 are cast aside and you know mm-hmm. there's a mar- a narrative that's in the media that we are just animals and we are uneducated and we only vote democrat and we only show up at at presidential elections that narrative is already out there yeah. on top of that there's a level of media literacy that is that has failed our community and it's so incredibly important for us to to understand that aspect of it's it it goes beyond voting. Voting is 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 the the end result of a lot of civic engagement. But there are so much ha- happens that before that. Every Tuesday and every other Thursday, I get on a call with Color of Change, uh, and we 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 do a squad call here for Philly. There's a couple of squads in Houston and Atlanta, uh, St. Louis, and we call neighbors. We tell we ask them if they completed the census. We, mm-hmm. we call neighbors and talk mm-hmm. about it's, it's election day. We got a call coming up next Thursday where we're going to tell uh, Minnesota to defund that police department. You know, we, mm-hmm. we, that mm-hmm. is civic engagement. That is, is a step into getting more people involved in politics on a regular basis. And if we aren't, if not, if only a small segment of our population is doing that, we're missing how important every election is every six months was we mm. vote every six months we vote not everybody knows that i think that's a great point i don't hear the the word civic engagement often I, so if if i'm not hearing it and i'm over here saying like we need to vote just imagine a lot of the young black brothers that probably don't even know what that is so i think civic engagement we need to make that the new cool like we need to you know uh re, um engulf that within the community and within the culture. So, you know, when it comes time to doing that, you know, everyone knows what it is and everyone's on board. But yeah, like... It sounds like Salah's gonna have... Salah, you got... We, Shanti and I were already talking about it. So you gotta come back and we we gotta nice. get a civic engagement on. Yeah, um, I'm down. I, I know. I was like, <laughs> Salah will be with this shit. She was like, I'm gonna ask can see if he'll do it. I was like, he'll be completely with the shits. I'll tell you right now. I am with the shits, man. <laughs> you have no idea how much I'm with the shits. I love it. <laughs> um, okay. So this was a good conversation. I think that this is one of many. I think that we touched on a lot, a lot tonight. Um, but before we go, I think I want to go around and I want everybody to just say, if you could say one thing to black men, if you could offer, if you could just say one thing to them, what would it be? Rich, you start. So I think I have a lot to say. Um, I think uh, the one thing that I would say is uh, educate your children. Um, on uh, uh, what it takes and what kind of power they actually have um, and to to raise them in a way where they understand uh, what they can and can't do to the same extent that white people do. You have the same rights. And to explain all of that, because um, I, I think sometimes we don't do that. We just 
give them over to the conditioning. So I, th- I think that would be uh, my number one thing. Hello. Yeah, I, I definitely, uh, I have a lot to say as well. I'm, I was trying to like <laughs> narrow it down. Like shit. it's hard to pick one. It's, 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 it's so hard to pick just one. Um, but I, I, I would honestly say the same, you know, I, I, I was just sitting here thinking about how, um, as, as a community, we, as a, as, as black men in our community, we expect, um, our children to just pick up you know what we do, mm-hmm. but we need to, we need to do a, a, a deeper dive um, of wrapping our arms around them and explaining the why and explaining how we felt in those moments when we were in those same, you know, spaces and how, how, how we feel now. Um, you know, I, I, I pulled my son aside the other day and was just talking to him about the protests um, because I didn't, I didn't have anybody do that for me. And so that was for me, and I think even for him, that was just incredibly important to just see how angry it made me feel and be able to express that and just talk about like how it's not okay. So, you know, when he is in my same age and has the ability to do the same, he can understand the energy that's behind it and know where to direct it. For me, black men, um, I'm just going to say, it's okay to mentally bail yourself out at times, right? Like, it's okay to give yourself a pass, mm-hmm. give yourself a, a get-out-of-jail-free card at times mentally because, you know, we can be our biggest critics at times, right? And, and as a black man, like, we have to live up to this standard, right? Especially as a successful black man, we got to work twice as hard, you know, uh, like, we feel like we're starting to race late, you know, and no matter how good we do, we're, we're never as good as our white counterparts. So it, that, that shouldn't be the narrative. That shouldn't be the case. And on top of that, if you feel like you're not like living up to your potential or, or whatever it is, it's okay to be like, you know what? I'm not going to stew in this negativity. I'm not going to stew in this doubt or this, you know, like, damn, like, I just need to work harder or whatever. Like, just give yourself a pass and relax and take that break. And and it's okay. Like, you could you could rest, you know, stop stressing yourself out, you know, for no reason because you're only hurting yourself, not only mentally, but physically, but and at the same time spiritually. And, you know, how could you be whole when all three parts of your being are suffering, right? So, and you can't be your best self. You can't live up to your potential. So, you know, my... My message to the black men out there is like, yo, just, you know, bail yourself out every now and again and, and take a break. And then after that, revisit because uh, it's much needed, King. Shanti. Um, I would say to practice being in your body and feeling the fear and feeling the sorrow and feeling the pain and feeling the fatigue and feeling the strength, the joy, desire, pleasure. Um, I just practice having it fill you and get big, get real big. 
I think I would just say, you know, I love y'all more than you could ever know. And I got y'all back. Um, but I want to end by saying their names. So Sean Bell, Khalif Browder, Eric Gardner, Natasha McKenna, Mike Brown, Tanisha Anderson, India Kager, Laquan McDonald, Antoine Rose, Terrence Crutcher, Walter Scott, Sandra Bland, Amidou Diallo, Samuel Du Bois, Philando Castile, Eric Gardner, Oscar Grant, Trayvon Martin, Tamir Rice, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, and now James Skurlock, and to the countless others whose names we do not know. Rest in power, poor libations, and we thank you. Ashe. Amen. Ashe. Y'all, I thank you. Please tell the people where to find you. People need to know what you're doing. Your voices are important. You are important. So please, Nas, tell us again. Go real slow. Spell it out. All right. Um, I'm not going to do that. Uh Soku just sounded out. It was real easy. But uh, I'm, I'm on Instagram all the time. Nas Boogie. Nas like the rapper. Boogie like Ace Boogie from Paid in Full. Nas Boogie. And my company is uh, PVO Global. P is in Paul, V is in Victor, O is in Oscar, Positive Vibes Only, Global, PVO Global. Thank you. Hey, Rich. Uh, I'm Rich from Conversation Pit Podcast, uh, at Conversation Pit on Instagram, and also at uh, Stokes Firm. Salah. I am Salah Muhammad, a writer, activist, speaker, host of Salah's Corner Podcast. Um, you can download me on all platforms, uh, but we, we regularly have panel discussions, uh, getting community members together. So head to my website, uh, salascorner.com on our next community event on uh, expectations of our criminal justice system. And that's in Philly, right? That is in Philly, in Philly. Dope. Thank y'all. Shanti, do you have any last words, anything? No, I just want to thank you guys for for coming on and talking your stuff. And hopefully we have more conversations to kind of unravel and discover and yeah, keep it going. And with that, we out. Oh, you scared to death, Negro. You have just heard an Around Away Curls John. Follow them on Twitter at ATW Curls. Just sit down. And Instagram at Aroundaway Curls. We out early. To defend our enemy. You sit down and you shut up and tell your master to come on out and deal with this. Next time they bring up the guns, you gon' respect us. That little vest ain't gon' do you. I shoot for Mecca. I ain't even trying to hold you up. Magnolia Slim. I'm a soldier from that mode. I'm the ghost of him. From the ever police stretcher. No cameras catch it. Drop you off in the rival hood. You'd rather be arrested. If you didn't have no straps, you couldn't wear your necklace. Niggas hand around your throat. That's a choke of reference. My ancestors took old food, made soul food. Jim Crow's a troll too. He stole the soul.